The conversation has shifted. Yes, we're still in this together. We're still seeing people come out of their comfort zones from within their safe spaces to find new ways to support essential workers, local businesses, and each other. It's a beautiful thing that I'd venture to guess most of us hope continues indefinitely. But as for the rest of this quarantine stuff, yeah, we're getting tired of it. Everybody here's well, and, and we want to go back to work. Some people are even coming together with another goal, to open society, business, and life as we once knew it back up again. It's a heated debate on how and when that should be done, and there's a lot riding on making sure we do it right. Something Washington University's Peter Baumgarten told me keeps coming back to me. He's talking about helping restaurants plan for the future and the uncertainties that surround that. One of the things that they've wrestled with is, are people going to be going out to eat in the same way? Are they going to feel comfortable in an environment that's post-COVID? And that's the piece that we just don't know right now. So what does reopening look like in the restaurant world? We know owners, chefs, employees, and foodies are talking about it. And on this episode of Abby Eats St. Louis, so are we. The guidelines restaurant owners have to consider, ways they've adapted that'll probably be around for the long haul, how your favorite restaurants might be coming to your neighborhood, and what it could look like the next time you go out to eat, whenever that might be. We can't just make a giant assumption um, that we can fling the doors open and have exactly the same offerings that we used to, and everyone will fill all the tables like they did every single weekend. I always say I don't want to interview people for this podcast. I want it to feel more like a conversation. There's no right or wrong answer. Well, that's really been the case lately, with very few clear answers to be had about anything. But that also presented a tough pitch to management and ownership of bars and restaurants for this particular topic, reopening. Normally, I'm pretty convincing if I do say so myself, but this time, a handful actually declined to talk to me. The same reason for each. Folks who've kept their places open for curbside and delivery, owners who've made the decision to close for now, even some making plans for expansion or new locations within 2020, aren't really ready to talk on the record about the future of 2020. I get it. It's like jinxing yourself if you sound too optimistic or maybe even creating a self-fulfilling prophecy if you sound too cautious. The truth is, nobody really knows what the future is going to look like. And here in St. Louis, the pandemic task force is making that clear. Dr. Alex Garza is the incident commander of that task force. This week, he warned against rushing to reopen too much too soon. He says a balanced, thoughtful approach will be key to a safe reopening and that businesses will have to find a way to keep patrons and employees safe once their doors are open again. The steps we've taken to flatten the curve, he says, must continue. But this sacrifice has saved many thousands of lives, and that cannot be understated. The National Restaurant Association published a guide to reopening. No real concrete rules or standards here, but things that need to be considered when allowing people back inside. A lot of it looks like what we saw in the weeks before dining rooms were forced to shutter altogether. Emphasis on cleaning and sanitizing surfaces, urging staff to stay home if they're sick. The guide reads, quote, The devil is in the details, and not every restaurant is the same, and not every opening scenario will align. There will be a lot of personal decision in this and a lot of action based on local health guidelines, too. Much of it might be totally invisible to restaurant patrons, or at least not really impact your experience. 
Things like sanitizing table condiments between seatings, rolled silverware instead of table presets, no lemons or unwrapped straws from drink stations, fresh paper menus for every person. But some advised changes will really impact the things that make restaurants places worth going to, as social distancing becomes part of this new normal too. The association recommends restaurants, quote, update floor plans for common dining areas, redesign seating arrangements to ensure at least six feet of separation between table setups. Buffets, salad bars, probably a thing of the past. The crowded but cozy gathering space while you wait for your table, you might be asked to leave until you can be seated. Owners are also even being encouraged to consider a reservations-only business model or call-ahead seating to better space diners. The shoulder-to-shoulder congregation at the bar waiting for their spirits. One day we might not even need to say virtual happy hour. The virtual part might just be implied. In some places, like booth seating or in front of host stands and cash registers, actual physical barriers might be put into place. Rather than asking for your check, you might hop online and pay from your phone. You might even have to get your temperature taken at the front door. You might be waited on by someone wearing a mask. Signage, they say, should be posted at the front entrance. Nobody with COVID-19 symptoms should be permitted to enter. These are all things Brian Hardesty and Dave Bailey have heard and are thinking about right now. Brian is a co-owner of Gorilla Street Food, two restaurant locations and a food truck currently, and the brains behind Nine Mile Garden, the area's first food truck park set to open in Afton with a local beer bar called The Canteen. Dave and his wife run the Bailey's family of restaurants, including Breakfast Hotspot Rooster, Bailey's Range with its fun burgers and shakes, Pop, the charming Lafayette Square champagne spot, and Small Batch, the sexy vegetarian whiskey bar. Both have several businesses to run, plus kids at home. So even if the days are blurring together for them, life is hardly at a standstill. Here's Brian. We're kind of just flying by the seat of our pants, making sure that everybody stays healthy and we practice, you know, safe practices as we possibly can. Um, All of my staff is um, on board with remaining open. Otherwise, we would have closed weeks weeks ago. Um, Really? So you talk to staff about that? Yeah, I mean, we, we, I sat there and I was like, look, guys, you know, we have a couple of choices. We can close our doors and, you know, throw everybody on furlough and and see how that goes. Or we can, um, you know, try to tighten up labor as best as we can, keep the doors open, go curbside only, no, not have anybody walk inside of our dining room. Mm-hmm. You know, all of you guys will be wearing gloves and masks and, you know, we'll be as safe as we can and... If we continue to do that, then, you know, I can assure you that everybody will continue receiving a paycheck. And that would make me feel great to to be able to continue doing that. Still waiting to hear if their PPP loan application went through, they're relying strictly on takeout orders right now. Of course, the best case scenario is for the Gorilla Street guys to be able to reopen both Webster Groves and the Del Mar Loop locations sooner than later. They miss having people actually enjoying the food inspired by co-owner Joel's family cooking in their dining rooms. But Brian says they'll wait as long as it takes to do it the right way. I fully, and I I know that my business partner agrees with me, uh, we fully support the idea of remaining closed and remaining as safe as possible until, you know, this pandemic is behind us. Mm -hmm. Um, And if that should mean that in the end, you know, we have to close the doors temporarily or, or, or worse, then so be it. I would rather 
remain safe than, you know, put anybody in danger. Mm -hmm. So, um, so there's that. Um, but should we, um, kind of come through this and get to reopen? I mean, number one, I know that, you know, online ordering and, and curbside service is going to be something that we'll continue to offer. Um, We'll see if people take us up on it. If they do, then great. If they don't, then that's something that eventually we might have to phase out. But I would expect people to remain pretty cautious, even if they get the all clear. I know that we will be. So, you know, hopefully I'm not in, alone in that thinking. Dave Bailey says adapting for social distancing might be one of the hardest challenges they'll face while still trying to connect with customers. Some spaces we can overcome that and mm -hmm. still have, let's say, 25% or 40% of the seats that we used to have in the restaurant. We certainly don't have waiting areas or things like that anymore. Um, so if it's raining outside, you know, I would fully expect to see hardly anyone coming through the door. Right. You know, one of the general recommendations that's being made is to switch to reservations where possible. And it's like, well... You know, we, we, we've hardly ever used reservations in our restaurants before. We've used wait lists. And, you know, so we'll, we'll get creative with that and figure out how to make that happen. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully people can wait in their cars and are comfortable with that and are still interested enough to come to the restaurant uh, in that regard. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's something physical to overcome. But the psychological aspect of the social distancing is a huge thing, and that's a, that is a public writ large thing. Right. So some people are going to uh, want that to be retaken really seriously, myself included. And then for other people, it won't feel as as important. Um, and, you know, that's not necessarily a criticism, but it's just how people socially interact with each other outdoors and then <laughs> indoors. That's that's just going to be interesting to see how know how diversity of opinion turns into the actual way that we end up interacting with each other. I asked both of the guys if the type of restaurants they have, Gorilla being fast casual, Bailey's restaurants being all over the map, will dictate the type of changes they'll have to make. I think that because we're fast casual, our food does, is made, I mean, we're called Gorilla Street Food. Our, our food is made to be able to take on the go mm -hmm. and eat in the bar or eat when you get home or whatever you'd like to do, eat in the park. So we've always been something that's kind of easy to carry with you. But um, I'm not sure if that gives us any kind of advantage once they kind of, um, you know, get the all clear and we're able to open up our dining room again. Yeah. I feel I think, I think that we're going to have to put some space in between our tables and maybe reduce the amount of seats that we have for a while. Um, but as far as fine dining places are just places that are more like uh, reliant on sit down and full service. Um, yeah, I think that they're going to have a even bigger struggle than we will because, um, you know, they have a concept that, you know, they make a schedule for all the different servers and the server assistants and, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the bartenders and, and the, you know, all, all the people that support that process are, they're going to have to be questioning, you know, how many people can I schedule tonight? I mean, do I, are we going to be, you know, a ghost town because everybody's afraid to come out? I think it's going to be really rough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
But then again, I also believe that people are going to be so sick of being indoors that <laughs> it will come back. And of yeah. course, we have such a great restaurant scene. People are going to support it. So I don't think it's totally grim, you know, the outlook. It's just going to be gradual. It's going to be different. Those intimate bars and restaurants that we might be used to might look a little different. But um, I was looking at some restaurant association guidelines that suggested something like, you know, call ahead only for certain restaurants or, you know, to make sure that they can accommodate things. So I think that's just overall experience is going to be pretty different. Yeah. I mean, you look at, in particular, like, of course, I'm a, I'm a huge supporter of the St. Louis restaurant scene, and right. and I live really close to uh, Louie. Yeah. And, um, Louie is doing exactly what you'd expect some a great restaurant to do. That's they've made curbside service feel fine dining. You know, like you make an appointment to come pick up your food, and when you arrive, your food is there, and they have a smile on their face. You take your food back home, and it is. You know, beautiful, beautifully plated in a to-go box as possible. It's just yeah. as delicious. And, you know, they are great people. So when they get to reopen their doors, I'm sure that, you know, after a period of, you know, people being kind of gun-shy, you're going to see that place packed just as expected. Part of the reason, Dave, I wanted to talk to you specifically about this idea of the future of the restaurant world is because you have so many different types of restaurants here um, that we're talking about, you know, everywhere from Rooster to Bailey's Range to Pop, those are totally different vibes and environments. Um, Is it going to have to be a personalized look for each one of those restaurants when we're talking about what the new normal is going to look like? Yeah, and, you know, we're not 100% sure what the new normal looks like or what, what, you know, I I know it'll change a lot over time. Um, so we're, we're taking each building into consideration, trying to figure out what order we can reopen them in, um, you know, how we would have to space things out and, you know, do what we need to do to take care of the staff. Um, you know, and even just think about, you know, cause a lot of our kitchens are really small. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so having people work at a safe distance from each other is going to be really tricky. Um. And, you know, a lot of the recommendations, frankly, have been, um, you know, just very, very general um, as they kind of come out and say, you know, maintain this, use disposable menus, have all the staff wear masks, etc. Despite all of our places looking really different and having really different feels, they were all specifically designed to be convivial places where lots of people can be around each other right. and near each other and you know, we have communal tables at Range and at Rooster where, you know, it's literally set up with the idea that you sit next to your neighbor and, you know, or you sit next to someone who could be your neighbor and you don't realize it and you 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 engage with them in, in new and interesting ways and now it's, you know, that's sort of all thrown out the window. Um, so we, yes, we'll have to take a thousand different things into account um, and we're just now really beginning to kind of see what different timelines might look like based on, you know, because we're, we're still waiting on additional recommendations at the, you know, local, state, and federal level. And we're right. waiting on, on a big unknown, which is how are the customers going to react to both what we do, what we don't do, and then are they even going to want to dine 
inside a restaurant right now anyway. There, there may be a whole bunch of people that do, um, and there will certainly be people that don't. Um, so, you know, carry out and um, to go and delivery is going to be a much, much larger portion of what we do uh, moving forward for sure. I know that for you and your wife, each restaurant symbolizes some part of your personality, some vision that you've come up with along your journey together. Um, And it's a space. It's not just a place where people can eat food. It's not just about the food. It is about the space, too. We're seeing you know, people putting plexiglass up between booths and having to put big tape markings on the floor to show people where they can stand and walk and things like that. I'm just thinking about some of your restaurant spaces and it's kind of hard to envision that. Can you imagine having to go in and actually change the space that much? Is that something that you're willing to do? Yeah, I mean, look, we... We didn't design the buildings with a pandemic in mind. We designed them with people being close to each other and people taking care of each other in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can still do the taking care of each other part, you know. And what we have to do to physically make adjustments to the restaurants, you know, we will we'll figure out how to do that. Um, and you know, we'll we're just going to go through this as a long term process with everybody else in the country, you know, this, this is not going to be a May or June or July. Okay. Now we're, you know, we still have 40 people sitting, you know, shoulder to shoulder down an entire table. We're, you know, we're going to have to adjust and we're going to have to figure out what that means, um, you know, financially and what that means for the customer as well. Um, but I really do hope that we can see a, a large scale uptick in our, you know, carry out portions of our menus. Um, and that, that at least gives people, you know, we can put those together in a way that gives them at least a, a big portion of the experience that they would otherwise have coming to our restaurants, you know? Um, and some of those, you know, those old flavors and some of those awesome cocktails and some of those, you know, like there's a lot of stuff that we do um, that still translates to, yeah, let's let's go grab that from that specific plate, from that restaurant, that Bailey's restaurant, because that's what we want. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking right now to walk into a, you know, completely empty, no customers restaurant, you know, on a Saturday at that should be completely packed. Um, so we'll we'll just do what we what we can to make those physical adjustments. And you know, it's it's not going to be that it um, degrades the space or anything along those lines. It will just certainly feel different. Yeah, kind of a sign of the times, and it's the space growing along with the times in some ways. One space that hasn't even opened yet is Nine Mile Garden, the food truck park. It's going to have a big screen, group seating, space for several food trucks to park seven days a week. Brian still spends part of every busy day overseeing that project. Now, if we were talking about a new restaurant, well, we wouldn't even be talking about it right now. But thankfully, Brian says the unique outdoor space is still coming together in this unique time. It's been going great. Construction is completely on schedule. Um, And we, you know, while we have decided to... um, keep our grand opening date um, 
fluid um, until we know more. As far as the project goes, you know, it will be completed on time, um, middle of May, so not too long from now it's going to be finished. So um, I've talked to our food truck members. Uh, we have 30 members, and they're all on board to, you know, be super flexible and get started whenever we can. But I think um, – you know, because we are a gathering place, like specifically designed to have really large amounts of people, right. we want to do that and we want to do it. We want to do our concept correctly. So we're not going to like jump the gun and open up too soon. You know, we're going to, we're going to kind of read the read the uh, terrain. And if everybody's starting to feel comfortable and, you know, we get the go ahead from Sam Page and, and the St. Louis County uh, people, then, you know, then we'll open up. Um, but if we don't have their blessing, obviously we're just going to stay closed and, you know, we'll do what we need to do. But I mean, we'll be ready to go whenever it's time. How do you think food trucks are going to be able to move forward? No pun intended. Um, in our current environment. Well, okay. So personally for our food truck, right. we've kind of grounded it for right now. We, um, keep it, um, reserved for private events and, um, you know, dropping off food to hospitals, basically, is what we've been using it for. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I know that uh, we have a effort going on to serve neighborhoods. Um, and so, you know, parking at the head of a neighborhood, letting the neighborhood know in advance, hey, if you're interested, you know, there's an affordable meal for you uh, without having to cook at the at the front of your neighborhood. So Wait, I on. love that. That's so fun. Yeah. And, you know, people have been super responsive to that. A lot of trucks are doing that. Um, You know, that's the cool thing, or that's one of the cool things about being a food truck owner is that you get to um, experiment with these new ideas and kind of see how they go. And who knows, maybe that's something that after this is over will remain because it's a great idea regardless if there's a pandemic or not. Right, 100%. You know, so um, I hope that's one thing that we continue to see because of the mobility and flexibility that's literally inherent in a food truck, in some ways, a place like Nine Mile Garden might be better adapted to post-COVID dining. But then there's also the idea that there are the gathering spaces. Um, Just overall, you know, how are you feeling about this project right now? I feel 100% confident that, you know, we're going to make the big splash that we set out to do. Um, We have... 30 fantastic food trucks um, on board. We have the community of Afton on board. Uh, we have people all over the region asking us every day, like, when's it going to open? You know, asking about the canteen, what kind of beers are we going to serve? So people, there's been no um, decrease in interest, and, in, you know, we're, we're ready to go. We're super excited. The Baileys made the decision to close their restaurants during this pandemic sort of, at least for conventional takeout, they've actually gotten pretty creative lately, offering the best of Bailey's. It's groceries and provisions to help you replicate the Bailey's dining experience at home, including toilet paper. You'll soon even be able to pick up a Mother's Day rooster brunch in a box, Bloody Marys and all. What else would you expect from someone with both Bailey's chocolate bar and knockout barbecue in their portfolio? I think of you as an ideas guy. Um, Luckily, your ideas come to fruition and St. Louis diners get to benefit from that. But it seems like, you know, you have such a wide range of different create, you know, um, ideas and your creative juices are always flowing and coming up with some new concept or new uh, iteration of 
the next big thing. Have you come up with anything crazy during all of this that you are excited to put into business after we're back in business, I guess you could say? Um, I have come up with a whole lot of ideas. Some of them, I think, practical. A lot of them, you know, just crazy. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're messing around with a lot of that stuff. But, uh, you know, right now it's going to get, just like everything else, they'll get rolled out in stages. But, yeah, I mean, I've, and I've even got some old ideas. They're like, oh, well, that would actually work now. Before Interesting. That that wouldn't even have flown. Uh, so yeah, there, there's stuff we'll be we'll be rolling out uh, over the next several months for sure. Plexiglass barriers, call-ahead dining, disposable menus—they may be among the changes you'll see whenever we get to whatever time comes after this weird and scary time. But these leaders in our local restaurant community agree: the heart of what makes these community kitchens so great will never change. There's no stopping my personal positive attitude towards this so regardless of <laughs> us having to close our doors or wait to open up a huge project or whatever it might be you know um restaurateurs and just people in this industry are um like inherently uh you can't hold them down and so you know however long it takes people will we will all be ready so we can't wait to serve the community we all got into this business because we love interacting with people we love mm-hmm. taking care of people my crew is you know my crew because they like to take care of people that's their gig is to, is taking care of other people so mm-hmm. the definition of what that is now is just a little bit different than what it was you know back in January and we will continue to to do that, continue to take care of people just in new and different ways. Ooh la la! Ooh la la! Ooh la la! Abby Eats St. Louis is a Five on Your Side podcast production. I'm Abby Larico. My beloved executive producer from her own personal home bureau is Dory Olmos. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and let us know why in a review. Follow us on Instagram, too. We're at Abby Eats St. Louis. Check the episode notes for helpful links to our coverage of reopening plans. We're cheering you on from six feet away. Seize the plate.